Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Another episode of Elvis Lives, a conspiracy theory podcast. It's me, Julie. I am on my lonesome today. There is no KB. There is no special guest. It's just me. But that's okay because you just have to put up with me for one week and then you might get a solo KB. Sadly, our schedules just aren't, you know, aren't gelling, aren't meshing. <laughs> so you're getting a couple solo episodes, but um, this one... For diehard fans of the podcast, which I'd like to say we have, <laughs> you might have heard before, we actually covered this one a little, a little tiny bit when um, we did a live episode. It was just actually the live episode on Instagram with the wonderful, amazing Miranda Selwood from Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know. We touched on this one briefly, but this is The Curse of Macbeth. You might call this conspiracy, you could call this one um, superstition, but let's just dive on in. So you may have read Macbeth at school or perhaps even seen it on stage, but did you know this uh, play has a long-standing curse attached to it? And it's not just that there's a curse on the name Macbeth itself. It's a legend long feared in theatrical circles where tradition dictates that neither the production's title nor any quotes from it should ever be spoken in a theatre outside of a rehearsal space or the performance itself. Now, I could dive into the history of Shakespeare and Macbeth. However, I think you got enough of that at school. So we're going to go straight into this conspiracy superstition. How did the curse come about? How did it come about? Um, I've lost my place, but that's that's pretty standard. Uh, one theory is that the play was cursed when Shakespeare used elements of real spells in the scenes that feature the witches. Some say that simply including the spells was enough to put a jinx on Macbeth. Others, that the witches became angry that the spells were incomplete and cursed the play to exact their event. I like to imagine in my head a witch going along to see Shakespeare and like, ah, excuse me, that's not the rest of my spell. I shall put a hex, a hex on your... And your head. And every other performer's head from now on. It seems super spiteful, but I don't know. I don't know what the witches are into. Apparently it's spite. Um, while she can't confirm the existence of black magic, Dr. Anya Cahoon. Cahoon? Oh, I miss KB so much. I miss people being able to be here and correct what I'm saying. I'm really sorry I can't say your name, Dr. Anyang 
Sorry, love you. Um, she is of the Shakespeare birthplace trust, and she says it's possible that Shakespeare could have gathered ideas from those scenes from real encounters. Um, he had come across people who dabbled in herbal treatments and medicines, and he maybe would have been inspired by something like that. Um, portraying witchcraft on stage was a bold move in 1606 <laughs> in a largely uneducated society, heavily influenced by the church. Most people believed in magic. England's new King James I had even published a book called Damon Lo... Uh-oh. This is going to be a rough ride, folks. Damon It's got Logie at the end. Is that the word for demonology? Producer Zane is in the room and he just said, that's demonology. I don't think it is, but okay. Um, outlining his plan to root out uh, the scourge of witchcraft. So, sc- oh, dang it. <laughs> you can't hear it, but I'm getting corrected left, right and centre. Um, I also was pondering King James the first, like, I don't think he walked around calling himself King James the first. So it's funny that after death and other successive Kings, he's earned that title. I wonder if I'll ever be known as Julie, the can't read the first, (laughs) uh, can't pronounce anything the first um it was actually the very first performance of Macbeth that the curse started to show itself legend has it that the play's first performance it was around 1606 was riddled with disaster the actor playing Lady Macbeth named Hal Berridge died suddenly so Shakespeare himself had to take on the part Other rumoured mishaps included real daggers being used in place of props for the murder of King Duncan resulting in that actor's death as well um, that, sorry, the murder of King Duncan was actually in 1672. And um, we've seen a few kind of prop mishaps, oops, in uh, movies, I guess. But maybe we don't hear as, me- of, as many in theatre or plays. Um, we're going to skip ahead a good, a good chunk like a good chunk. From 1672, we're going to go to 1775. Sarah Siddons playing Lady Macbeth was nearly killed by an enraged audience. Didn't tell me what enraged the audience. Maybe just Sarah Siddons' portrayal of Lady Macbeth, in which case, ouch. It's a very harsh review. And then let's jump on over to 1849. This is probably one of the most well-known Occasions of the curse, as they like to say. Um, 1849, a much-loved English actor-manager called William McCready was touring in Macbeth in America. He had developed a rivalry with an American actor called Edwin Forrest, who was, you know, equally well-loved in America and was starring in another version of Macbeth at the time. So when McCready went to perform at the Astor Opera House in New York, it was actually Forrest's supporters who uh, decided to show up. The the performance had to be very heavily policed, and McCready went on stage and riots broke out. Soldiers fired into the crowd and about 20 people died, and I think there was over 100 people injured as well. So... uh, Trouble kind of just seems to follow every production of Macbeth um, and to the present-ish day included. 
I say present-ish day and I'm talking about 1937. I guess when you look at 1606, present day is 1907, 37-ish. Um, the 1937 performance at the Old Vic starring Laurence Olivier. Nah, no exception. Doesn't matter that Laurence Olivier was the best of the best, the cream of the crop at the time. Curse strike again. Uh, Olivier was preparing for opening night when he lost his voice. And then... I'm going to say worse than losing your voice. He was nearly killed by a heavy falling weight in the wings. Worse again, unfortunately, uh, for Lillian Ballas, the theatre's manager, he died of a heart attack two days before the first performance. I mean, that's a hefty amount we packed into 1937. 1942, uh, might have been it by, by a couple. 1942, three actors in a Mac- Macbeth production led by John Gillig, Gilugd, yeah, I say Gilugd, died and the costume designer committed suicide among the costumes. Oof. That is grim. Oh, that was a bad year. Um, 1948, Diana Winnard, or Winyard, sleep... <laughs> okay, so I took this bit straight from somewhere else and it does say sleepwalked. Sleepwalked off a rostrum. I don't love that sentence, but I think what they mean is within the play itself, she was sleepwalking and fell off a rostrum. Um, And in my head, when I hear the word rostrum, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's like, you know, a couple metres off the ground, maybe like a metre and a half off the ground, two metres. This was 15 feet. So I'm not sure what rostrum she was standing on. But it was one very, very high in the air. <laughs> uh, Charlton Heston played the title role of Macbeth in 1953. So we've gone from 1606, now we're up to 1953. Um, in an open-air production at Fort St. Catherine, directed by Burgess Meredith. During the first performance, when he was riding a horse bareback around the East End's Fort Ramparts, Mr. Heston suddenly rushed off stage, pointing at his tights, writhing in pain and yelling, get them off me. <laughs> Stop laughing. So inappropriate. Uh, According to the actor's autobiography, whoever had laundered his tights had dipped them in kerosene and the sweat of the horse and the heat caused serious burns to Mr. Heston's legs and groin. I do find it also quite strange that anyone would launder clothes in kerosene. Uh, It seems vengeful maybe, but like not a proper laundering technique. Um, where is my place? I've lost it. Oh, no, I haven't. I'm lying to you. Um, later, the wooden facade of Macbeth's castle. This is during the same, uh, 19... Nope. Yes. The same 1953 performance. The wooden facade of Macbeth's castle came down burning as planned, but the wind blew flames and smoke into the Bermuda audience. No one was seriously injured. Again. No measuring stick for the word seriously there. People were injured. We know that much. Um, Fast forward on through to the 2000s. David Bellwood, access manager at Shakespeare's Globe, tells of the time he witnessed the curse firsthand. 
I was a dancer on tour in Riverdance and a school friend of mine had died. To cheer me up, the fiddle player bought me a beautiful complete works of Shakespeare. We were flicking through it and another friend said, I studied Macbeth at school. I told her it was bad luck to say Macbeth and joked I should make you go outside, turn around three times and split on the f- spit on the floor. She didn't. In that, night, in that night's show, two of the viol- violinist's strings snapped spontaneously. One woman fell off stage. Another danced straight into a wall and knocked herself unconscious. I told my friend, never say it again. And... For our Australian listeners, an incident a little closer to home happened to the director of Australian Shakespeare Company, Glenn Elston. Um, He amputated his finger on stage. Uh, Accidentally. I hate that. Uh, Not a fan of any body part being cut off at any time, let alone on stage in front of an audience. Anyway, so we we establish many things happen in actual performances of Macbeth and very, very bad things can happen if you just say Macbeth in a theatre. In a, th- in a theatre, you are to refer to it as this, the Scottish play, not Macbeth. Very bad luck. Um, so, we know that can happen, but how do we prevent the curse? This is what we need is the prevention methods. You know, you take any histamines daily to prevent the hay fever. What can we do to prevent the curse? Well, firstly, if you're perf- not performing Big Beth, just don't say it. There's no need. You, you don't need to do it. Literally not one iota of a need. Um... But if you've really gone and done it, you can undo the bad luck. You can leave the venue to perform traditional cleansing rituals. Rituals include turning three times, spitting over one's left shoulder, swearing or reciting a line from another Shakespeare play. Popular lines for this purpose include angels and ministers of grace defend us from Hamlet. Uh, if we shadows have offended a midsummer night's dream and fair thoughts and happy hours attend on you, the merchant of Venice. A more uh, elaborate and, in my opinion, more effective cleansing ritual is to, again, leave the theatre, spin around while brushing oneself off and saying Macbeth three times before entering again. Someone, uh, So some production groups insist that the offender may not re-enter the theatre until invited to do so, therefore making it easy to uh, punish frequent offenders by leaving them outside. You know, I don't think anyone... I, I've never been in a situation where someone has done done it more than once, and gosh, in quite a lot of trouble for it. Um, I have been in many occasions where people whistle, which is something Miranda also touched on in our live episode, which is still on Instagram if you want to go and check it out. Um, But it is also a very, very big no-no to whistle inside a theatre. But that's it. That is the curse of Macbeth. Uh, I'm inclined to believe in it because... It's a theatre superstition and I'm about that as someone who has been in the theatre many, 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 many times and encountered the curse mm, none-ish of those times. Oh, maybe I don't believe in it. 
No, I do. Let's say I do. Uh, if you, again, want to head over on over to our Instagram and check out our live episodes, they are up on IGTV. And you can find us at Elvis Live Podcast on Instagram, Facebook and Podcast at gmail.com if you want to send us an email for whatever reason. I don't mind. You could just be like, hey, I've had a bad day. Um, here's a picture of a dog. Actually, I'd be very okay with that email. Send that email. Um, KB will be with you next week, I'm hoping. Touch wood in case these pesky schedules don't work out. Uh, But until then, have a really good day. (laughs) Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.